HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. All right, everybody, welcome to Thursday evening. You are listening to the HRN Happy Hour. I am Katie Mosman-Wadler, my co-host here, Kat Johnson. Hello. We have two special in-studio co-hosts, our founder, one and only Patrick Martins. Hello. Thanks for having me again. (laughs) And Mike Edison, host of Arts and Seizures on HRN. So much more fun being a guest than being a host. (laughs) Yay. That's how we like to For the listeners especially, you talk a little less this way. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, So... What's going on this week, you guys, in the news? Patrick, you had a headline you wanted to share. Well, Rue La Rue Cafe, the Golden Girls-themed restaurant, is open in Washington Heights. Co-owned by Ruth McClanahan's son, the Golden Girls, uh, she's Blanche, uh, the restaurant combines pop culture and food. Want to eat like a Golden Girl? Try Sophia's 16-hour lasagna al forno. The Betty White Cake, aged for 92 years. A yellow cake with cream cheese, frosting, and coconut flakes. And a cup of Dorothy's No-Nonsense Roast Coffee. And if you have room, shove a piece of Rue's poppy seed cake into your purse for later. I'm going to have the Metamucil Alamode. Metamucil Alamode. And I didn't do enough research on this, but they are. This is the more serious one. Allegations that Brazilian health officials accepted bribes what? to allow... Subpar meat onto the market. That's a more serious I want to talk thing. about the Golden Girls. You know, I got Golden there was girl. like no segue there. I want to talk about the Golden Girls. I got jokes. I Thank you for being a friend, guys. <laughs> I've traveled the world and I'm back again, still getting. Oh. I, want to do, I want to do shots of Geritol for oh you. My God. <laughs> I'm confused. I didn't know about I'm it. So I didn't know about this, so this, this Golden Girl themed restaurant. I, I know so many women who would like to go there. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody knows the Golden Girl theme song, which has not been live for de- a decade or more, and yet everyone knows that song. Everyone knows those characters' names. It's What's, amazing. It's I don't a know the song. What song is it? Thank you for being a friend. Traveled oh. the world, around the world, and back again. Beautiful. Uh, you're a pal and a confidant. Wow. Yeah, I must have been, um, I don't know, reading a book or something when that was on. <laughs> that's classic so, That's my news. I have one no. serious bit well, and well, one I wanna, news. I want to go to the... I seriously want to go there. I bet it's fun. I wanna, well, it's I your you age it's, group, I Mike. bet you it's overrun with tourists right now, though. Like, yeah. imagine if Central Park from Friends was a real restaurant. Wasn't no. it last summer? Yeah, exactly. They did a pop-up. Swamps, like... We can do a shout out to the ladies now. Uh, we know that uh, B. Arthur passed away, sadly, and I think Rue McClanahan passed away. But uh, Betty White is still alive. Betty White rocks. I would and totally, so is the old yeah. lady. I would though. totally give Betty White a toss. Oh, oh. <laughs> absolutely! You kidding? She's hot. And the oldest one was actually the youngest in real life. The lady that played the um, no way. Yeah, she was actually the youngest. Oh. I don't know their names. I honestly never watched that show. Cheers. I've never seen it in my life. I want to go to a place where no good. one knows my name. Ah. <laughs> I like that. Um, So this is a show where we talk about what's happening this week on the network (laughs) and then the news. Um, So my contribution this week is I have something that is both network news and food world news. Are you guys excited? Overachiever. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I had the great pleasure this weekend of going down to D.C. to um, take part in the Good Food Mercantile. Mm -hmm. So this is a show that the it's, it's kind of like an intimate small scale trade show that the Good Food Awards puts on. And uh, in case you're not familiar with the Good Food Awards, this is a a group that's recognizing top food artisans and retailers from around the country, not only for making and distributing amazing products that are at the top of their fields, but also for um, companies that have sustainable and ethical business practices. So the best products, but also, you know, things that you can feel really, really good about, about buying and putting in your body. Um, so you can check out all of our coverage from this on heritageradionetwork.org. Just go to the show page for HRN on tour. Um, but I want to tell you a little bit about like some of the people that I met while I was down there and a few of the interviews that you can see. Um, also, tune in uh, tomorrow, Friday, which is going to be April 6th. Is that right? This day, mm-hmm. April, 6th. April 6th at 11 a.m. Eastern. We'll be doing a live broadcast of all the interviews back to back. Today, tomorrow is the 7th. Thank you, Vitor. Um, <laughs> Vitor is our studio engineer who also keeps me on track when I don't know what day it is. Tune in on Thursday. <laughs> Correct. So, um, so yeah, Good Food Awards this weekend was awesome. Um, you know probably that we went out in January for the award ceremony itself at which Patrick was a presenter. And we covered a lot of the businesses that were at the California Mercantile. D.C. Mercantile is really cool because a lot of places that you know aren't necessarily easily able to travel to California could come and present in D.C. So a lot of like mid-Atlantic area businesses, we tried to focus on people who were local in D.C. Um, we got to share a bunch of cocktail recipes. We met with True Syrups and Garnishes, Crude Bitters and Sodas, Shrub District and Republic Restoratives and talk Cocktails. From our coverage, you can get some really great like home bartending ideas. Um, Republic Restoratives, I want to give an extra shout out to because they also hosted the after party. They're an awesome women-owned distillery right in D.C. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked to Pia Carrison, who's one of the co-founders, and Sarah Mossbacker, who has worked with the Good Food Awards and also um, is now helping out with Republic Restoratives. They're just awesome ladies doing a great job in a totally male-dominated field. 
So they were great to talk to. Um, some other stuff, you know, you can learn a lot from listening to our interviews. Somebody um, we interviewed was Nancy Bruns. She runs a company called J.Q. Dickinson Saltworks in West Virginia, and they're actually harvesting salt from an ancient ocean hmm. that is underneath their farm in West Virginia. Wow. And uh, it's really cool. It's a great way to sustainably source salt. And you can just show up to their farm anytime, and they'll take you on a tour. Everything's, like, really transparent. Is it underground? Um, you have to go under? No. That's oh, right there? No. Well, what I love about the Good Food Awards and all these things you're digging is uh, talking about is that they actually gather the very greatest food people in the country to taste test each category, and then mm-hmm. they select 20 or so of winners within each category. So it's not just one winner, and it's also not just thanks for trying, you can be a winner too, everyone's a winner, everyone gets a certificate. This is truly the best tasting stuff in the world per mm-hmm. category, and that's what really makes the Good Food Award special. Yeah. It's not just one <clears throat> uh, judge either, it's 20 judges, 30 judges judging the world's best salamis, the world's mm-hmm. best olive oil. So anyway, really special. And Sarah yeah. Wiener, the executive director, is a colleague of mine at Slow Food, and she's very special. And we interviewed Sarah, and it was really, really cool when we were talking to her. Um, we had a, a guest interviewer um, who, her name is Jennifer Isham, and she kind of runs Union Market, which is the space that we were in for the awards. But um, she also had done a bunch of research on Sarah and the awards, and she pointed out that a lot of businesses were actually saved single-handedly by winning Good Food Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, while many awards are given out, they're really, really remarkable um and so to have that seal on a product can can literally save you from going out of business so well, she also really cool. formed a uh, a consortium of merchants and each of those consortium of merchants like uh um buy right market for instance uh are part of that and part of their responsibility to have the honor of being a merchant is to buy many of the good food award winners so mm-hmm. very very yeah it's about commerce which is great yeah Super cool. So uh, tune in. You can also hear uh, Sammy Kay, former radio personality, who now makes vegan pork cracklins. Mm. Uh, so Snacklins. Check it out. Snacklins. That's my, <laughs> that is clearly my future. Former radio personality <laughs> making vegan pork cracklins. You're well on your way. Oh man. <laughs> oh, man. The writing is on the wall. Okay, so I have a food headline that I wanted to talk about. Um, NPR reported that broth-loving hipsters are pushing up the price of beef bones. Wow. So bad news for the pups out there who want to who want fresh beef bones. Broth loving hipsters. I just want to say I had that story too. You did. But I didn't read it. So here's what I want to say about that. The comedian Morgan Murphy said it well. I think. What's so wrong with being a hipster? All we want to do is take our rescue dogs to go get cold brew. I think I'm so tired of this like anti hipster. We, we we did we wrote. I the want book. someone to spend an hour on my cocktail. Yeah. I mean, why is it better? Not better. I love it. You know, why is someone being an expert in a specific field uh, considered bad? Well, that's not what a hipster is necessarily. Listen, nobody was more maligned than the hippies, right? That's what we talk about. But there are hippies, and then there are hippies. There are a bunch of smelly tie-dye wearing homeless people, you know, who are panhandling, you know, on BART. And then there's like the guys who started Apple Computer. Well, (laughs) some hippies became president. I think Bill Clinton was a hippie. Well, the word goes back to it goes back like the Jazz Age. So like, there's been all these iterations now, and like, you know, everybody. Has a different idea of what it is. I mean, I live or I live in Bushwick, so like my idea of what a hipster is around here, like yeah, I'm probably that, and I'm okay with it. Well, I think each generation hates the generation or, or belittles the generation that comes after it. Yeah, yeah right. And so so and you, you could it. be a millennial. Yeah, yeah. Like you kind of. I, you, I, I think they're more. I a generation am, wire. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I don't even know what a millennial is anymore. How no, old, Mike, how old is were, a millennial like today, like right now? Um, I think millennials were born between like 88 and like mid 90s or something. I love that definition because I just so, missed the cutoff, so I'm not one. So, so how old is a millennial now? That? I'm 27 and I'm a millennial. Okay. Now you became, uh, you turned 40, right? When the beatniks hit the scene? Is that right? <laughs> it was shortly after Lincoln freed yes. the slaves. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the Sunday was the Big Little Lies finale. Did oh, you guys... Don't get me started on Big Little Lies. <laughs> Did you watch it, Patrick? No. It was actually really great. I didn't Who's not... in it? Um, Reese Witherspoon, oh, Nicole yeah. Kidman. That struck me as a white girl problem show. You, you know, know that like it really seemed. It seemed like it was. Anna and I be. watched it together. That's what yeah. she said. Actually, you oh. strike me as a white girl it, problem. It, it <laughs> ended on a really awesome foot. Like it was. Yeah, it ended wait, up being no a spoilers. Really, no yeah. spoilers. I mean, I saw wait, it. Wait, but, wait, everyone, tune um, out. Cover your okay, ears. Okay, we're gonna have spoilers on Big Little Lies. Cover your ears, Watch Vitor. Up. I'm really sorry Go, if you haven't seen us. it yet. Well, it's it's based on a book, and does someone kill the bad husband? You saw it. I didn't. You totally I knew. saw okay, it. But, someone but was listen, thinking about killing him. Yeah, I was thinking. See, about the it. thing is, like, I love spoilers. So, like, if I if it was me listening, I'd be like, go for it. But I like feel really bad like saying what happened. But I like I read the Wikipedia page of the book to find out what happened. So <laughs> I knew I knew it was coming. We got a spoiler alert. It was in great our episode. That's so millennial. I, I can't of believe you. we're talking know, right? about this. You read the Wikipedia page of the book, so I knew what happened in the TV show. <laughs> I did That's like me. I did like how those guys brought tension towards to find out like what happened in the TV show. Quotidian thing. Yeah, I mean, that yeah, was kind and, of exciting. and they really showed domestic violence in a way where you can understand how a very smart woman in this case you know she's a brilliant lawyer has been you know is completely under the thumb of an abusive husband because there's a misconception that like oh a smart woman would just leave him Mm -hmm. and uh they do a really good job making that feel real do you know when she's on her way to the airport with the kids and you think she's gonna go away and go somewhere else but she's really gonna hug him and they give a big kiss you watched the whole thing this is Patrick who definitely didn't watch it that was the only episode I watched so what did you (laughs) what I loved about the show too was it was it was We're off the rails again. <laughs> I, I loved it was set in Monterey, and it was like I love the way the that it was shot and stuff too. Yeah, it was pretty. So, did you like the theme song? I did like the theme song, and I, I think HBO always does like really cool opening segments. I have beef. Why with the theme song? And then we can talk about Monterey. But okay, cool. Um, the theme song drives me insane because it has a horrible grammatical error that they repeat over and over and over right at the end, and what? I can't even what is stand it. it. It's like blah 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 blah. I believe in you and I, and then they repeat oh, in you and I oh, over and over. That's the absolute worst. It, it's horrible. Oh, it's so great. Oh my god! Okay, okay. That is terrible. And I'll tell you what. You know, oh my god! You know, Jim, Jimmy Breslin, the writer, uh, died. You know, recently. Um, the greatest newspaper man in the mm-hmm. history of New York. Great yeah. journalist. Uh, a great influence on, on me personally. And I was going back and reading um, some of his stuff. Uh, after he died, I, I, I really just, I mean, if you'd lived during the time of Breslin, you would know, like, his column every time it came out was something to look forward to. Anyway, he wrote about Donald Trump in the 80s, and one of his stories was he called him Mr. Between You and I. Blah. He says, because only, only an idiot trying to sound smart says between you and I. Uh-huh. Okay? And that's what he called him for the whole rest of the thing. It was like, uh, Mr. Between You awesome. and I. Yeah. Way that's ahead funny. of the curve. So while I, I, you know. Object I, of I the like preposition. The song, but uh, it just... 
was so cringy. I didn't even anyway, like think about that. Oh my god! Well, now you'll never hear well, it the same true. way. It's going to drive I'm me crazy. I'm glad the show's over now. And I, I don't have to go back in the. Act. See, I like I like I like a, a woman who understands grammar. I like a man who understands grammar. You and I together. <laughs> You and I both. She heard that, and, and, and she bristled, and that turns me on. <laughs> okay, yeah. so back to Monterey. Me too. <laughs> so now Monterey is a segue yes. towards a more serious issue. Totally. So Global warming. Did you guys know that this um, winter season was the rainiest season in um, Monterey County in 100 years? You know, I used to be an on-air weather personality here at Heritage Radio. Mm-hmm. Oh. He's our first uh, weatherman, food weatherman. So um, I did not know. Is it was it wet everywhere or just wet there? Um, it, I mean, it was wet in all in California, which okay. for, in in some instances is really great because they're in a drought, right? And they need rain. Um, they're officially out of the drought. Yeah, and so that was great. But in Big Sur, you know, if you've ever taken that drive up Highway One, the Pacific Coast Highway, um, all, it's very hilly. So they've had tons and tons of mudslides, and in fe- late February, um, mudslides completely closed part of the road to the I believe the north of Big Sur and then the south of Big Sur totally like knocked out a bridge Hmm. so people were stranded um in that area and it's also caused the bridge had to be torn down it's caused a bunch of restaurants and businesses to temporarily close Hmm. and they're still closed because now there's no way to get in and out so I spoke to um reporter Tom Wright who works with the Monterey Herald um about you know what's been going on with the recent storms so Vitor if you could play that nice I think kind of the number that illustrates it best is the month of February, Big Sur received 1,150% of normal rainfall for the year. And so even, you know, weeks after the rain stopped, it was still water pouring down the hills. It's still everything is soaked. It's really amazing. I mean, this kind of winter is something that does happen frequently in Big Sur. There have been other years that mudslides have cut off the area. But nothing quite like this, where it led to a bridge that completely gave out and split the community in half. Yeah, when you first heard that the bridge was, I guess, condemned, what went through your mind? Oh, well, I mean, it, it, it started with, we saw someone who was walking down below and noticed some cracks. And at first it was like, oh, okay, well, they'll be able to fix it. It, it won't necessarily, you know, be something that's going to be a year and at this point they have changed it at, at one point in time we're looking at nine months nine months to 12 months that it's going to be closed they're now looking at about six months which is still really tough but it's not quite as bad but it, it, it's nothing like we've really ever seen down here before yeah and can you say tell us a little bit about in the immediate aftermath people were stranded and how how did um how did they cope with that? I know that there were some airlifts of supplies done and things like that. Yeah, the county helped out with an airlift. They brought a helicopter in to, to bring mostly food. They, they also actually brought some homework for some kids because there's about 35 students that are on the southern side of the bridge who are, at one point, they weren't able to go to school at all. And and so what's happening is in addition to the bridge in the north and the south, there's still mudslides weeks, I mean, months after this, basically the road needs to be reconstructed in some areas. And so it was really devastating. And it's it's pretty, it's been a pretty, pretty difficult situation for people. Yeah. And it's a pretty small community, right? Yeah. It's a relatively small community. Um, the folks that are, that are stuck on the other side of the bridge, there's about 400 people 
and I say stuck, at this point, there's limited ways to get out. Um, the, the state parks crews out here, along with volunteers, did create a trail. So you can now walk your way out. It's about a 30-minute hike, and it does get pretty steep at times. But th- that's probably the main option out, and you can take that to get back up to the northern part of Big Sur. It's the trail that circumvents the bridge that's now completely demolished, and they're working on building a new one, or at least the beginning of that. But And there's also now a, a windy highway road that it can take nearly four hours as to what was before a one-hour drive to get back up north to Carmel and Monterey and resupply. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a pretty dramatic difference. So are people, I saw that there was like a lot of these footpaths built now, or, or the one main one. Are people really walking um, walking to go get supplies and food? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's not ideal, but for some people, that's kind of the only option. I, I, I was out there last week, and actually we walked by a gentleman who, he was actually going to work on some piping, some water systems on the other side. And it was pretty, he was carrying buckets with all of his work stuff. And But there are also people that are, you know, carrying food supplies. There is actually one, at least that I know of, there's one restaurant down there that's open. There's the Big Sur Deli and Tap House. And I believe they're bringing food in from the south, which that's another tricky situation because of those mudslides. But there are people as well that are carrying, you know, backpacks or buckets, whatever they can get their food into just to have supplies. Some people, and I mean, that's the lighter stuff. People are also having to carry, you know, laundry detergent, Mm -hmm. dog food, cat litter. So it's pretty difficult for a lot of folks. Wow. And yeah, so a lot of restaurants and um, hotels and resorts, because that's, it's, you know, you rely a lot on tourism in that area. It's beautiful. Um, But a lot of people, that's, that's their job. Um, you know, what's, what's the sense like there? How are they coping with that? Cause a lot of these places aren't going to reopen until the, uh, I guess the road is reopened. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a couple of businesses. There's deep gyms is hoping to open in the next month or so. There's also the post ranch Inn is hoping to open, but I just heard from someone from there today and they are hoping to make an announcement this week. It's kind of like, that's going to get pushed back. But mm-hmm. the Post Ranch Inn has a Sierra Mar restaurant, which is really nice. Um, there's, but there's a bunch of other different establishments down there. Nepente, there's Ana, and And, yeah, pretty much a lot of them are just, you know, they're frozen. And they, they'll ultimately have to wait for the road to reopen to have any kind of real business. There's talk of maybe helicoptering in people to some of the businesses. You know, these are obviously the more upscale places if you're going to go through all of that. But it's a really difficult situation. And on top of that, most of the workers at these businesses on the southern end live on the northern end. So just for them to get to work, they have to take that 30-minute hike and then walk down the road however much further it may be after that just to get to work. So it's a situation that's really compounded because of a lot of the different problems. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if some of these people, um, while they're out of work and can't get to um, the restaurants while they're closed, if they're going to possibly look for other jobs. And um, I'm sure the restaurants are concerned about that as well. People not even yeah. like, being there when they're ready to reopen. Yeah, that, that will be an issue. And I mean, to some of the people have applied for unemployment. There's, there's different situations. There is the small business. Small Business Administration is trying to help out some of the businesses in the area. But ultimately, yes, 
it'll be interesting to see if some of these businesses will be able to reopen. I mean, there's a possibility that some of them may just have to shut down or find some kind of different way to operate until they can get fully staffed, until they can get people back in there. Okay, so, yeah, as he was mentioning, some um, businesses, since they're still closed, are actually considering flying people in via helicopter. Um, I actually spoke to someone at Post Ranch Inn who said that this was an option that they were looking into and um, that it would be a breathtaking 15-minute flight along the coast. Mm. So, Well, I mean, this is all part product of crazy weather. I mean, that's what we covered on the news show uh, when we did it. It's just weather is wacko, and we have to start accepting that and making policy changes to accept that as a reality rather than trying to deny it or claim that it's a cyclical thing or what. I don't think anyone here is trying to deny it, Patrick. (laughs) Well, no, here, no. But, again, that's fake news to say that people aren't trying to deny it. We must speak for the country. I mean, policy is shifting against accepting it. Yeah. Well, speaking of um, Monterey County and, um, you know, being responsible and not listening to fake news... And also eating sustainable seafood. That's like a weird transition. But the next thing I'm going to talk about is um, I also spoke to um, Sheila Bowman at um, Seafood Watch with Monterey Bay Aquarium. I think you guys are probably all familiar with that program. That's the top aquarium and sustainable fishery yeah. information outlet in the, in the world, maybe, right? Who started it? Like a, not a Rockefeller. Was it a Getty? Or someone. Monterey Bay? Yeah, Monterey Bay Aquarium. It's one of those families. Yeah. Okay, well. Um, they do the, the seafood sustainability ratings that are in basically every grocery store yeah. and like on every phone app. Yeah, you, you have the red fish, the you have the yellow fish, the blue fish are the ones you can eat. I need this because actually in, in my house, like responsibly farmed fish is a, is a topic of mm-hmm. conversation because obviously you can't catch everything wild and obviously some things are farmed responsibly. Yeah. But I think there's also, uh, you see farmed, you're in the, if you're in the, you know, you're a fish purveyor from the fishmonger and you see, you know, farmed and you see wild and your instinct is, of course, that, you know, the wild is somehow going to be better. Uh, but some things, you know, that are, you know are in season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, and you can push up, right. eat a fish to extinction, too. Exactly. Cool. Let's take a quick listen to this interview with Sheila. Seafood Watch is a program of the Monterey Bay Aquarium, and going on our 17th year here in Monterey, California, we really are a group that helps people think about the oceans and keeping them healthy. And one of the best ways as consumers that we can do that is by thinking about the seafood that we eat. Great. And you said it's been around for 17 years. I know a lot of people, maybe like me, they know about the app. But tell us a little bit more about the history and how Seafood Watch got started. Absolutely. We started here at the Monterey Bay Aquarium with an exhibit we did in 1995 called Fishing for Solutions, which was this really beautiful exhibit, but a very serious message about where our seafood was coming from, both wild-caught fisheries and then farmed seafood, which was on the rise and, of course, continues to be on the rise. And it was a very eye-opening exhibit about sort of what the production and the industry was around seafood and kind of how that was impacting the environment. 
it was from that exhibit that Seafood Watch grew because our visitors to the aquarium said, great, tell us more about what we should eat. Tell us what we shouldn't eat. Tell us how we can, you know, play a part in this. And ever since then, what Seafood Watch has been doing is looking at the environmental impact of both fish farms and wild fisheries, putting them into a very easy format that helps people, you know, shift towards the good guys, the players, the heroes, the great people in the food system, and shift away from those parts of the industry that are really causing the majority of the damage to the environment. And do you find that the priorities or the critical species have changed throughout the past 17 years, or or is it more that you that you stick to certain um, programs that work? What we have found, and you know, we have a very set scientific criteria that we use to make these ratings. And the good news is, is that fisheries and farms move around. So things that have been on the red list have moved up to the yellow list, and in some cases, all the way to our green best choices list. Sometimes something on the green list, you know, takes a step back into the yellow list. So more than I think I would ever have imagined, things move around, and the hopeful, like, positive part of all of this is fisheries and fish farms that are on the red list that we personally, let me speak for myself, thought would never, ever get off that red list. On a regular basis, you see those farmers and those fishermen and those governments taking the steps to reduce the impacts and get their products you know, into that better list. So it's a very hopeful, positive story. Can you tell me an example of one of those that made the shift from the red list to the yellow to the green? Well, one of the fish I think most people um, have heard of in their life is something called a red snapper, which comes out of the Gulf of Mexico. And that sat on our red list, ironically, the red snapper on the red list for years, until finally the fishery managers started doing the work to protect the species and set the right management and have the right um, enforcement. And that fish came off of our red list several years ago. So that is a really great example. Out here in California, we have other examples of our close-to-shore ground fish that, again, was named a federal disaster fishery in the year 2000. But the great work of fishermen and managers and nonprofits all together saw many of those fish come off of the red list in 2014, and more of them since then have continued to come off the red list. That's awesome. What are some um, species right now that are on the red list that are a high priority for you? Well, you know, one of the species that sits on the red list, and, and, and I don't know what it will do in the future, but bluefin tuna is one I think a lot of people kind of think about. It's so many... The bluefin tuna populations have been so depleted in both the Atlantic and the Pacific that it's really a species that we should stay away from, let those fisheries, those fish recover. So that's one that we are concerned about. Um, sharks remain an issue, not something that we in the U.S. eat a lot of, but around the world, millions of sharks are killed a year and not to be eaten in their entirety, but to be thinned and have just those fins removed for 
shark fin soup, for example. So when you're taking a top predator out of a, a ecosystem like a shark, you really can find yourself um, sort of tinkering with the system and, and changing the balance of what works out there. So those are two species, I think, right off the bat that are um, kind of on the front of our minds to, to see how we can make some improvements. And for the people out there who want to be able to use Seafood Watch to make these kind of decisions and be aware about what species they should be avoiding, what's the best way for them to find out about you and the best way to use your resources? Well, we have partners across the United States and even around the world. So our website's a great place to visit, kind of see who's in their neighborhood, where they can go to a restaurant or go to a zoo and aquarium and learn more. And I think on top of that, the easiest thing on the website, you can either download one of our printable wallet cards, which lets you um, carry hard copy around with you of the things you should eat and stay away from, or my number one choice is go to your app store and download the Seafood Watch app, which is free. We have almost 2 million people who have done it. And when you're in the restaurants and the grocery stores, take a minute and look at those lists and make a choice for a green item or maybe a yellow item, but definitely keeping away from items on that red list. Cool. So that was Sheila Bowman. She's the manager of culinary and strategic initiatives for the Seafood Watch app at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. That just brought to mind something for me um, when she said that Red Snapper is now on the green list. I had no idea. I I did still think that that was uh, still having trouble. Um, But this also kind of brings up another issue that Monterey has been a leader in, which is fish mislabeling. I think that's a topic for another episode. But uh, Red Snapper is one of the ones that is famously mislabeled, and it's almost guaranteed to be tilapia if you see Red Snapper. Yeah, almost guaranteed. There's so so much, you know, so much stuff sold as cod that clearly Mm -hmm. isn't so much tilapia that's sold as Red Snapper. And, uh, you know, Hey, there's a lot of uh, veal milanese, you know, a lot of pork being pounded into veal milanese, too. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I mean, seriously. Yeah. seriously I mean, you go to a, a pizza slice place and they have a veal parm sub, you, that's probably not veal. That's yeah, yeah. there's pork. so much food fraud. It's, on, it's incredible. Heritage breeds, I mean, that's probably one we of the most co opted words. We should do an investigative series about food fraud. I have a classmate who just got accepted into a fellowship for this, so we, we'll we we'll have a call-in at some point. Oh, that's well, awesome. Marion Burroughs used to do that for the Times. Kim mm-hmm. Severson, I think, did that mm-hmm. a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Those are the types of interesting articles because, you know, it's justice fighting. Yeah. yeah. And it's just gross. I did a huge research paper about the supply chain of tilapia, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I will just say I don't eat it. Yeah. Well, what do you guys know and about know that, tilapia? Well, I mean, there is good source tilapia as well. There certainly is. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I, I if I was like at the tilapia farm in the U.S. and I saw it being grown, I would eat it, but mm-hmm. uh, if it's not, like if it's in a restaurant and it's not labeled the source, I won't because if, if, if the tilapia is being farmed in China, like I know too much about it and I don't want to have anything to do with it. I have eaten tilapia that my high school, when I was in high school, our FFA chapter raised tilapia. Yeah. I don't eat any fish because they poop where they live. You know, <laughs> <laughs> wise words, wise words. But, you know, you can't believe just because it says it on a, on a menu. You know, that's the same menu that's telling you that the red snapper is tilapia. It's the same, mm-hmm. you know, thing that's telling you that the uh, the veal milanese, you know, which is some, you know, shitty pork shop they pounded flat. Um, I, I mean, I mean, seriously, it's very hard to know what, what to believe. And tilapia is such a bad reputation mm-hmm. that even parts of the world, you know, I think I tend to, I was just in Mexico and I tend to think the stuff that, that, that is tilapia is actually, you know, someone went out in a boat and caught it. It wasn't yeah. like grown, mm-hmm. in, you know, in a bathtub somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, in the worst possible conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, 
you know, or potentially there's a lot of people out there giving tilapia a bad name. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, anyway. well. Well, should we take a quick break? And, yeah. Uh, we'll be right we'll back. come back and be a little more happy on the happy hour. <laughs> My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super-duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. And wait six days. And we are back. Uh, Patrick. Sorry. Right, we're back. I was just complaining <laughs> that the Heritage Foods, that was a short ass ad, that we, um, the, the Heritage Foods signage was a little placed right below Mike's butt. It's sad. Oh, it's not no. always behind Mike's butt. Sometimes it's Mike good. Moves. We like that spot. You can put, place a request for a, a, a change. If ever, yeah, we'll ever. see if we grant it. See if you got, still if you got any juice around here. I mean, you only started the place. No. Okay. So what's next? We got a couple more small headlines we want to talk about, or okay. upcoming events as well. Um, so Not small, important. Oh, major. This is, I mean, this is a great one. This is so Ron Finley, the gangster gardener. Mm-hmm. Who he called, was on two weeks ago. He was on. Uh, yeah, uh, he's on, he was on our second episode of our show ever. He called in and, and, get, and let us know what was going on with um, trying to save his headquarters in L.A. The gangster garden. The gangster garden. To be I'm trying gangsta. to guess what he grows. If you know uh, vegetables, he grows oh, healthy vegetables. food. No actual for the vegetables. Those were yeah. scare quotes. From no, those of you Mike is the problem. Yeah, <laughs> gangsta is about providing. For yeah, your family. That's and what he, gangsta is. Between mm-hmm. um, after since then, he's also been on the Farm Report. So you can catch a full interview with him on with Aaron Fairbanks on the Aaron Farm Fairbanks. Report and with Nell Newman. And, oh yeah, Nell Newman. Called, she called in, right? You may know her. She started this company. You might have heard of called Newman's Own Organics. You probably have four She's, bags of her stuff in your pantry right now. I think now. that I have in at her least like fifty percent right made of her pretzels. <laughs> uh, anyway, she, she doesn't work with the company you anymore, but. Um, I am, I am. Um, but she's amazing, and I really think that she's such a pioneer in, in food, and I'll, I'll let you go back to it after this, but I think she just brought organic into the mainstream in a way that nobody has mm-hmm. done yeah. before or since, so I just want to give a big she shout She brought out. it so into the mainstream that she, her biggest challenge starting was getting enough product. Like yeah. She was yeah. like, I want to make dog food that's organic. They were like, well, we don't have enough stuff. She's like, well, go find it. And, and so she couldn't grow as fast as she wanted to. That's what a pioneer she was. Yeah. And so she's also like a huge supporter of Ron Finley and the work he's doing. So uh, as you may know, as we covered um, and talked to Ron about, he's trying to save the headquarters. Um, he's basically has to raise $500,000 to buy it back. And as of earlier today, they had raised $462,000 of the $500,000 goal. Oh yeah. My God, we're so close. Awesome. We're 38,000 37 something short. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, last we checked, they were, they were what, like they were, 150 or so in. Yeah. But yeah. There's still a long way to go. So that's two, so awesome. Two big donors that have recently um, given 50000 each are Khalifa Farms and Annie's Homegrown, as in, you know, oh, Annie's nice. is another big um, organics company yeah. now. It's um, like my whole childhood is Newman's own. I love Annie's mac and cheese. That's a lot Don't of salad dressing right there. I know, and mac and cheese. But Annie's and uh, Newman's own. Don't that's like. Big in the salad dressing oh. aisle. Amongst Newman's. many other yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, Come pretzels. On, Mike. Also, Numino's, which I strongly prefer. Hey, Vitor, can you cut Mike's mic off? <laughs> <laughs> Numino's? Numino's? Have you ever we'll had do. them? No. We'll do. They're delicious. Organic they're like organic Oreos. Oreos. They're better than but Oreos. But they're better than Oreos. They're, they're fuller. so tasty. Oreos are just, I don't like Oreos. No. I have to and be honest. I also love Numino's. I haven't seen them in a while, but they actually made just the, they, like, they make the Oreo style with the creamy center, but they also made just the chocolate cookies. That's the part I want. Mm. Yeah, me too. It was so awesome. They are like, okay, I'm in. To me. Yeah. I'm in. 
Oreos may be America's favorite cookie, but they're not my I'm, favorite cookie. I know you've, you felt so guilty. I've never seen you be so guilty, Kat. You're just like, I have to admit, I'm throwing Oreo under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Oreos. There goes our sponsorship. I know, right? Um, okay, yeah, but so that's awesome. We hope that in the next couple of days they finish that fundraising goal. Um, you can go to GoFundMe.com slash Save the Gangsta Garden. Got it? Save the Gangsta Garden. And can we all kind of do our part here? I will say I, I gave a small amount when we were first talking about them, but I am really inspired by how close they are, and I want us to, everybody around this table who can, please let's agree that we're all going to go on and donate. I'm, Patrick's got his credit card in his hand right now. 3715. <laughs> oh no, Patrick! 501. <laughs> censor it, censor it. Beep! Uh, security code 1149. <laughs> What's your social security number? Zero five. No, 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 no. Oh, God. I'm getting so but stressed go, out how, right now. Yeah, how, can, how can we donate and and yeah. I want to go. Do I right want to donate. Yeah, donate. Right go. Now. All you have to do is go to the the URL gofundme.com slash save the gangsta garden, and you can donate. And also, and it, importantly, that's gangsta g a n g s t a. That's right. And um, if you can't, <laughs> also if you if you can't give, just you can share the link on all your social networks, and each share can potentially raise thirty five dollars. So share, share it again. Shared a third time. Is that because you get like a thirty-five dollar bonus from GoFundMe? I just think that that's the. I think that's the average donation <laughs> okay. someone gives, and so like if you can reach someone, they're when likely. When does he have to raise it by? There's not a deadline. Oh, it's not like um, ASAP. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's pretty. It's like a pretty dire situation. They need to get this land back. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's the headquarters, and like he's kind of starting his own. Uh, it's like a huge movement. So. Good. Yeah, let's support him. All right, so the next thing we want to talk about, Vitor. I have a big announcement. What? Yeah. Yay! Uh, I'm co-producing an amazing ensemble, which is a basically fusion of jazz, Brazilian, and classical music, and it's uh, conducted by a, an amazing composer and uh, uh, arranger, Grammy-nominated guy. And uh, we have our first show in New York City. It's at the Rockwood Music Hall Stage 2. When is it? Sunday at 7 p.m. This Sunday, April 9. It's a big group. We actually had a big recording session with 25 musicians uh, two weeks ago. But this is kind of like a condensed version. String quartet, uh, uh, wind quartet, and then uh, drums and a lot of fun. How do you get tickets? Oh, They're online. Uh, They're also going to be at the door. But... uh, the, if you want to actually check out the dude's work, he's an, um, like I said, amazing guy. His name is Rafael Picolotto de Lima. Cool. We'll put that information on the episode page yes. too. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah, we, awesome. we just had to spell gangster for this song. Give us a <laughs> so, so thank you for give that. Give us a taste. Can you play anything from it just to give people a little inkling? Is that allowed? Like uh, toward close out the uh, show with it or something? Yeah. Only yeah. Play, play like ten seconds or something. Yeah, right? I, I think can. it's twenty seconds. We're allowed. Okay. Yeah, yeah play I, nineteen seconds. I can probably find it here if you give me like. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, let's talk, let's talk about Cherry Bomb, and then we'll yeah. come back to that. Yeah, we'll so come back. So there's a big event this weekend. Whoop, whoop, whoop. It's Cherry Bomb Jubilee, and this weekend it is actually a two-day event. So it starts Cherry Diamond has a show, a top-rated show on the network, just to contextualize. Radio Cherry Bomb. And a beautiful magazine. beautiful magazine, Cherry Bomb. It comes out four times and, a year, I believe. Uh, yeah. Cherry Bomb Jubilee is going to be amazing. The tickets for Saturday, when all the speeches are happening, are completely sold out but lucky for you i will be going there with a handy zoom recorder 
and we'll be recording all the panels and they'll be going out on Cherry Bomb's feed. So this even if you couldn't get a ticket, mm-hmm. you can still listen. And uh, also Sunday, there are tickets available for um, Jubilee Marketplace, which is going to be a, a gathering um, similar to Good Food Awards Mercantile situation. But only um, women. Successful in the business world, right? Or no? It's, it's, I think the businesses will be like women owned or um, women chefs will be highlighted, mm-hmm. but men can attend. Right. Um, you can come, Patrick. Yeah, Don't you worry. can come. Um, also, we'll be there. we will be there. Ooh. We have a table. We're going to be selling memberships. And also, we have a bomb raffle. Oh, my Can we talk gosh. about what's in the raffle? This raffle basket. It has Heritage Foods Wagyu in it. Really? It has a Haven's Kitchen cookbook signed. signed in it. It has a Brooklyn Slate cheese board. It has, what else? A Brooklyn Kitchen gift card for $100, which will get you basically any class at the Brooklyn Kitchen. Also mm. groceries, also amazing yeah. kitchen tools. So this is like it a has, this many miles. Wait, drum roll, wait, wait, drum wait, wait, drum roll, please. One of our amazing sponsors, uh, Chef Steps, has contributed a jewel sous vide stick so that you have a surefire, fail-safe way to cook that awesome Wagyu. Ooh. I was just hoping for a lemon zester. Well, that explains why <laughs> we're really missing a, a steak, uh, in our oh, inventory. And um, eating tools, Abe Shaw is oh generously gosh. giving us titanium chopsticks and a wooden scoop as well. Now, he was yes. a guest last week, two yes, weeks he ago. Was. Yeah, two He's weeks awesome. Ago. That was great. so much business. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow, this is awesome. So how do you win And the this? raffle tickets are only $5, so you need to come to Jubilee Marketplace. Get out your wallet. Oh, yeah. Patrick is throwing three, at me. 3715. <laughs> No, 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 no. But we will have a square reader. So if, you, if you're cashless, we can still take your money you can from call you us that at day. Marketplace. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the raffle basket is so ridiculous. I want to win it so bad, but I think that would look a little yeah. sketchy. No, listen. Uh, it, it, chance friend, chance. Friends and family of Heritage Radio, not eligible. Not yeah. eligible. Exactly. Fine That's print. not fair. Um, Fine print. But, but it's really amazing. And there are going to be so many awesome people there. You should come. I think they still have a few limited, limited tickets available for Marketplace. Well, Carrie Diamond's a mover and a shaker. It's important to support her cause, causes, you know? She's mm-hmm. a very important person. Yeah. She's an action person. Yes, she is. All right, Vitor, All right. play it. All right, I found it. <laughs> oh. Hit it. Vitor, I want tickets. I want four tickets. Right. Three, seven, one, five. <laughs> that sounded great. That was awesome. That was That's very unlike good. anything I've ever heard. That was that very come good. out. It'll I be love a lot that. Of fun. Well, you, you clearly don't get around very much. <laughs> but but it was feels. awesome. No, it sounded really good. Very noirish. Very, oh, very, very, yeah. very cinematic. I, I, yeah. I could dig that. Very yeah, double that could indemnity. Fill up a stadium. I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm like seeing like the Saul Bass, like you know, you know, animation. You know, go, go, go you on, didn't even hear the the Brazilian part. That was just the classical and jazz part, you know. Oh, can, we hear, nice. can we hear a bit of the Brazilian part? Uh, the Brazilian you have to come out on oh. 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 You see, the first taste is free. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're getting towards the end of our show, and we like to end our show with some trivia. 
What? So I've put together what I'm calling. True. I'm hoping to win a lemon zester. <laughs> True. False. <laughs> you already have one. I'll take Helen Gurley Brown for one. I'm calling it. False. Girly, you don't really know who she is. Girly pop culture trivia with Patrick and Mike. Who better? Um, yeah. <laughs> Patrick went to Vassar. He's an expert. He knows. Okay. Mike sounds like a woman. Are you ready? Definitely. Yeah, his voice sometimes. I'm always like, oh. hey, doll. Every time I am like, hey, doll. All right, you ready? This is real trivia? This is real. Yeah. What and do we win? It, it all relates. Um, I'm hoping for a lemon zest. Your admiration? Exactly. Okay, go. You I have to co-host again next it week. All, and it all relates to something we've talked about on the show. I or, don't I don't want to be misogynistic, but Susan B. Anthony. Or, <laughs> or a juicer. I could really use a juicer. I can give you a juicer if you win. Hillary Clinton. Uh, women, famous women. My okay. mother. Wait, okay. wait, wait, wait. wait. We did the, no, the trivia hasn't started oh, yet. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Good, good try. I I'm thought sh- it was name a How woman. How mad would I be if he like named one of the answers? I'd be like, I wanna, you're like, ruined it. it. That's it. I want to start a podcast with your mom. That's going to be my next thing. Oh, your mom is the loveliest. Could She's the best. Such a nice voicemail after I'm the party st- at Lepicho. <laughs> Katie, I'm sorry. I'm starting Mommy Issues. It's going to be all about Patrick. Aww. It's going to be my new podcast. My mother would be like uh, the, the lady from Saturday Night Live, Kristen Wiig, who was like, I gave that movie three... Oh, your mom and is so awesome. Oh, come on. She's a classic Your mom lady. is so awesome. She is, she is the golden girl. six languages. Okay, go. Question. Okay, question number one. Mike. Who was on the cover of the first issue of Cherry Bomb magazine? That is trivia. Chrissy right. Teigen. No, you're close. She was on a more recent issue. Christina Tosi. Nope. She, she was, was also on I one. know, so I'm getting close. Uh, she's, this person is friends with Christina Tosi. They made cookies together. Amy Sedaris, and she still their milk bar still has yeah. cookies named after this the person. model. Who's the very uh, beautiful model? She's a model, right? Yeah, big time model. Mm-hmm. I know it. She was here. She posed with Blanca with Carlo here at Blanca. Should we give a big, big hint to tell uh, what the cookies are? Called? I named two covers, by the yeah, way. Do it. I know that was really good, Patrick. You did. Chrissy Teigen. That oh man. Uh, she also the lady from uh, Padma. Was on the cover, mm-hmm. so I could, I've named three covers, named three but covers. just not the original just one. Not the not correct one. The OG. Chloe or something like that? What is the, it? It starts with a so K. Close. Yeah, yeah. Do you K. want me to tell you what the cookies are called? Yes. It's going to be a dead giveaway. Go, go. Clossies. Ka- Carrie Clausen. <laughs> no. no. Saying it Kylie, faster wrong. Kylie Clausen. <laughs> you're so close. Her name's I want, I you're Carly so close. Carly Kloss. Yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That was good. I'm impressed by well, your cherry pop. The only cookie I know named after a woman is a Madeline. So that's pretty good. That was, a, that was a literary joke, Patrick. Okay. That's good. I Someday it. when you're older, I'll explain it to you. All right. Next reference. I mean, next question. God, next reference. So Persian. Okay. What pop star went on a road trip through Big Sur with Carly Kloss for a Vogue feature? These are questions for millennials. I'm so. <laughs> wow. I'm like more like the, I'm more I know like, it. Like I know like it. Betsy I know it. Ross, she's, no, no, Clara no. Barton. She's very close with her. She's the woman that uh, uh, <laughs> that got called off the stage when uh, um, Beyonce didn't win. Yep. Yep. And Man, her name Patrick, is. Uh, per- wow. Name. I can't remember her name. But she got called off. Patrick, I'm gonna let you finish, but what? I'm gonna let you finish. Say. But Beyonce had the greatest video of all time. Who was it? That won when that was said. No, I know. Well, who won was... Uh, was a... Uh, We're just trying to help you out. 
Taylor Swift. Yeah. Taylor Swift. Yeah. Thank you. Thank oh. you. Totally. Oh, he got it. Oh, yeah. Mike, I thought these were for millennials. But it just goes well, to show. I mean, I swear I pulled a rabbit out. When of I don't know people's <laughs> names, this proves that I could possibly know a lot more about them than mm-hmm. they really think. Really the name impressed. is. Oh, just I, one I play thing. this game when I go to the supermarket. And I look at the covers of the magazines to see how many people I recognize, and I fail every time. As yeah. you are tonight, I, too. No, it's okay. My <laughs> God, this is not the yardstick by which I, I measure I my life. You're you're one and one. So yeah, okay, good. Yeah, he one gets credit one. for that. I can't okay. believe you got credit. Question for that. number three. <laughs> And Golden Girls. Blanche is seen reading the same book in several episodes. The Quran. What is the Quran? No. <laughs> what book is it? Kama Sutra. Nope. Uh, you're kind of you're kind of close. Anarchist cookbook. Nope. You're cold. Go back Joy of sex. Sensuous woman. Warmer. You're getting warmer. Oh, I'm getting a lot worse. <laughs> thinking, thinking about Blanche reading the sensuous Where? woman. Ooh la la. That is hot. <laughs> uh, Which one was Betty White? Uh, no. Uh, Blanche is Rue McClanahan, right? Blanche is the, she's the kind of uh, the so one that slept cam- around yeah. a lot. It's not the Kama Sutra. Exactly. So think it's about not that the one, joy right. of sex. Yeah. Kama Sutra, joy of sex. It's a novel, right? Oh. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, la, ooh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Like thorn birds or the, something. They, think Fifty Shades of Grey, like, but like oh, older. Two Shades of Grey. Like, 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 uh, <laughs> Valley of the Dolls. Black. Um, I mean, you guys don't even know what that is. Do you give up? You guys give up? Yes. Lady Chatterley's love. Lady Chatterley's oh, love. Like you so, should be a so 19th century. I should have known that. So was Blanche. It's so Golden Girls. <laughs> Dude, have you ever actually read Chatterley's Lover? Which is uh, one of the. It's always named as one of the very most famous banned and censored books. But I mean, it is. It's, it's PG, <laughs> you know, PG thirteen. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> right, Next question. Really Lady yes. Chatterley's Lover. <laughs> yeah. Next question. What? By, by Herman Melville. Uh, no, no. <laughs> what shade of pink did New York Magazine recently publish an article about saying it refuses to go away? Fuchsia. No. no. You're really know. excited about that, though. A shade of pink. Mm-hmm. That's, 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 that's a rose. Mm-mm. Is this another golden girl one? Of no. pink. I don't know. What? Okay, I'll give you a hint. Also, um, Fifty Shades of Pink. It's named for a generation that you guys have been, like, complaining about. Hippie pink? <laughs> Beat pink? A generation. Hipster pink? Is there such a thing as hipster pink? Mm-hmm. A generation. Uh, a generation. You, you've been complaining about the 19th pink. century. You complained about the 19th century. Dude, I've been, century I've been complaining since today. the 19th century. No, okay, okay. I'll give you a, a different hint. It's my generation. The millennial pink? Millennial yes. pink. Well, what does that? What is that? It's well, like a great point. Pink. Also, Food 52 had okay. an article being like, Give me like some the, pan- these like 1,000 shades cannot all be millennial pink. Nobody knows what shade Give me some, give me some, pantone. Give me some pantone numbers so like Thanks, people on the radio really. can understand. Boys wear pink. I like, I like Sex Pistols pink. That's my um, pink. It's, uh, it's like the Snacky Tunes logo yeah. background pink. Okay, I have a question for you guys. You know, this okay. Right. This is radio, right? Who is the top contender to be on the new $20 bill? Harriet Tubman. True. I thought that was already decided. Good job. Yeah, I, thought that I was... think it's a done deal. That is, that but was, I like that how you turn the tables. That was a question. That was a surprise. So it's not Mike Pence? <laughs> oh. All right. What about got, the we're, much we're maligned white okay. heterosexual male? Ask me some questions about them for a change. <laughs> yeah, Vassar. Go ahead. Let's see. Okay, we have oh one God. more we question. We have to go. Cindy is here. Yeah, we're sorry. holding up the works. Okay. One more. Are we, are we leaving or are we doing one more question? One more. One more. Okay. Fire, one more, fire. One more. Taylor in, Swift. In Big Little Lies, all the women dress up as movie versions of Audrey Hepburn for the trivia night party. What movie earned Audrey Hepburn her only Oscar for Best Actress? Truman Capote. What do, what do you call it? Nope. No, not the Truman Capote. Um, <laughs> On Golden Pond. Nope. That's Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> Audrey Hepburn? You're my knight in shining armor. Audrey Hepburn. No, she, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's? Nope, that's the Truman Capote one. Yeah. Oh, uh, 
I couldn't handle the pressure. It was an earlier movie, I think. Ding, 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 All right, we're going to give you 10 ding, go, seconds. Go, we give up, we give Roman up. Holiday. Ding, oh, ding, all right. All right. Uh, we are over Gregory time. Peck? That brings us to the end yeah. of HR and Happy Hour for this week. This is Thursday. I felt so close to that juicer, too. Thanks to Mike Edison. Thanks to Patrick Martin. Thank you, guys. Jordan Werner is Thanks in the studio. Johnson. Katie Mosen-Wadler. Thanks to our fabulous studio engineer, Vitor Hirsch. And go to the concert on Sunday. It'll blow your mind. Three, seven, one, five. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.